Welcome to Elevate Your Event, your favorite podcast for transforming fundraising events. Join us weekly for expert tips and creative ideas to make your next event a standout success. In today's episode, we delve into a crucial aspect of successful fundraising, the significance of good data on donors. Joining us are industry leaders who have mastered the art of leveraging data for fundraising success. Our guests for this insightful discussion are CEO and founder Jeff Porter from Hambid, along with Director of Marketing and Partnerships, Lori Mackay. We are also joined by Chris Boyette and Jennifer Cole, both from Alumni Finder, bringing their extensive expertise to the table. Tune in as we uncover the power of good donor data and how it can revolutionize your fundraising efforts. All right. Welcome back to the Elevate Your Event podcast, where we talk about all the various ways you can make your next fundraising event better. And today in the studio, we have our friends from Alumni Finder. We have Chris and Jennifer. And I'm joined by our special handed talent, Lori Mackay, our <laughs> director of marketing. And uh, we're here to talk about, I think, alumni data, right? Yeah, great data. Great fun, great we, data for your fundraisers. Yeah, coming coming from the nonprofit space um, and have starting a nonprofit back in 2004, I understand the importance of data. So um, let's quickly introduce our, our guests here and then let's uh, let's dive in. So Chris and Jennifer, introduce yourselves. Talk a little bit about your company. I'll go first. So I have been with Alumni Finder for about 13 years. Um, I had no background in the data world, um, but I kind of fell in love with it when I got started, and I have obviously stayed with it. Um, and so um, Chris and I have been working together for the last several years now. Um, he has a lot of experience with other um, companies similar to Alumni Finder that he can kind of touch on. But together, um, you know, Alumni Finder is basically an organization that works with nonprofits to help them clean up their database. So it's as simple as, you know, um, helping them maintain the data that they have and helping them kind of build out more detailed profiles and um, for better fundraising efforts. So that's kind of, in a one-second nutshell, what Alumni Finder is doing. Awesome. My name's Chris. I've been with Alumni Finder to be two years in May. Uh, my background is nonprofits. Uh, I've worked at a comp- at Black Bottom. I'm sure a lot of the people listening are familiar with them. I was there at tw- for 12 years. In the analytics and data uh, enrichment services division, then uh, moved on to other opportunities. Had my own little tried my own thing for a little while, then came back, uh, moved back to Charleston, and uh, hopped on board with Alumni Finder. And don't let the name fool you. I know you guys have probably met, have mentioned this, but uh, you don't have to have alumni. Mm-hmm. Like you could have all members, you could have donors, you could have subscribers, or yeah, you don't. You know, you don't have to be a school. As long as you're a nonprofit, uh, we can help you out. Awesome. So this is, you know, obviously you're helping them find alumni, and that might have been where you started. But what it sounds like is you guys have evolved into how do we help you take your donor data in any form, whether it's there, missing, or bad, or correct, or incorrect, or whatever, and clean that up so that it can be useful for fundraising. Is that kind of, in a nutshell, what it is, or...? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's the key thing is for people to be successful in their fundraising efforts. It all kind of starts with that data. And so that's where we come in and we really help them look at their database as a whole or look at segments of their database and really focus on 
the quality of their data, the accuracy of their data. So before they're going into these campaigns or, you know, doing an email campaign or a phone-a-thon or anything like that, that they have the correct data, that they're actually reaching their constituents. And so, yes, absolutely what you said. It's it's really um, cleaning up the information and really kind of helping them to build out these more detailed profiles so that they understand their people better and they can communicate with them more efficiently. Okay. And so I think at a, at a, like maybe at a base level, we're talking contact information. And so let me ask you, like when you go into, or you have a new charity client that comes on board, I mean, how, how accurate is it? Are you kind of mostly starting with contact information? Like you don't have an accurate address or you have an incomplete address or you have an old phone number or are you starting there? Or are you finding that that's mostly okay? And now you're kind of diving deeper into like their, their activity or their history. It's, it's all across the board, to be honest with you. I mean, a lot of times, like if you, you're speaking to events, a lot of times the data, you don't, they don't really think about the data Initially, they're thinking about the big event that they're doing. And then when it comes around to inviting them, now you think about the data, you know. So right. you want to basically, depending on what channel they're wanting to communicate with these people on, whether they're in the database or not, we can help them identify the right people to focus on down the channel that they want to look at uh, or to communicate with them on. And uh, I mean, it's across the board. I mean, if they have a database and, you know, will typically help them understand what we can update and then yep and then they can pick and choose what they want to clean up that makes sense so are you you can connect to various CRMs and pull this data or are they just sending you you know spreadsheets of data or how does that work it's it's a pretty much they would take an export of their data and then submit it to us through our you know FTP secure FTP folder and then we pick it up and then run it through our analysis and then provide them with a report and say, you know, if they have 10,000 records, we're going to go through each one of them, say out of all these 10,000, here's X number that we confirm have good addresses. Here's how many we can update. Same for cell phone, landline, emails, date of birth, deceased. And so it, you know, it, it gives them a complete picture of the accuracy of their data. And if they're planning to email or, you know, call all these people, then if they see that there's a big gap of missing numbers, we can help update those or, you know, make sure that those addresses are going to the right places, uh, you know, so that the people they want to invite are actually, they know about the event that it's coming. Sure. And will you help them get the data back into their CRM or do you hand them back a spreadsheet of the, of the cleaned up data? So you help me out, Jen, but every, we're agnostic. So like the databases that we work with are across the board. I mean, some people, it's all different types. We don't have a direct integration, but anyone that has, you know, you, we have, it's built in the format so that they can import it back into their system. Everything's on the codes that, you know, each individual, they submit it to us, it's applied accordingly, and then they upload it to their data, database. But we obviously can help them answer questions, support them as they're doing that. But it's rare that they actually, I would think that they would come back to us more often because at like BlackBot, big integration was kind of a key, but they don't have, you know, typically we don't have any trouble, you know, integrating the, the information back in there at all. Well, cool. And then, like, do you help them kind of establish a, a good data management data? I don't even want to call it, but like, you know, 
process. Maintenance plan. Yeah, like you a know, process for them. So that they know how to keep it, you know, accurate again. Cause you know, it's, or, is, or do you guys do a continuous like kind s- of service for them? Or? Service. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great question. And like, honestly, we um, kind of look at it as an ongoing. So we contract per project, but ultimately we're trying to set them up to be successful down the road. So it's, not just this one project where you clean up your mailing addresses or your cell phones or your emails. It's ongoing. So it's step one. Yes. Kind of cleaning up that contact data. Let's make sure that you have all that in a good place so that you can communicate with your constituents. Step two, building out these more detailed profiles, whether it's wealth information or employment or different demographic data. So presence of children, household income, um, gender, religion, um, again, just really helping you understand them and so you can tailor your messaging to different audiences. And then step three is more of that maintenance type service. So, okay, we've got everything in a good place. We've helped you guys fill in gaps and kind of, you know, learn more about these individuals. Now, how do you maintain that? And it's ongoing. So it's, you know, your your basic NCOA, PCOA, that really helps you kind of maintain mailing addresses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through the post office, anybody that moves kind of fills out that NCOA form. So very basic, but a really good way to maintain your mailing addresses. Um, we have like an online platform that our clients use. It's one-off. So if they do a mailing and they get back 20 pieces of mail, they can go in there and look up these individuals on a one-off basis. That really kind of helps you maintain, again, addresses. It has cell phones, emails, property deeds, and this, I mean, tons of information in there that they can use to look up as needed. Um, and so there are, you know, basically, I would say clients are looking at doing kind of a larger screening on an annual basis. And then again, utilizing some of those maintenance type services to kind of get them to that next larger screening, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You know, and as I'm thinking about it in my head and kind of, you know, putting my nonprofit manager hat on and then my Hambid event hat on, I I see also a need for a lot of charities to to kind of have a like a good architecture like in place like this is the source of truth of my data and i have all of these other inputs coming in and how do i make sure that i'm not ruining my own data you know because to your point i go and i spend really good money with you guys to clean it all up and then i run an event and gosh we see this all the time like i don't think people connect the value of data collection at an event with with what's going on and so or even data maintenance, because yeah. they'll be like, oh, I'm going to streamline checking. I don't really know all these people's names, or I don't really have all their data. I'm just going to fake add like fake emails and stuff just so that when they show up, they don't have to give me any info. And all you're doing is you're making it all worse, mm-hmm. because now that flows in, and now you know computers are smart in some ways and dumb in others, and it's like, I don't know. Like, you just gave me a new email for Lori Mackay. You know, is that, is that the real one now? Like, right. I mean, so. Or how do your donors want to be communicated with? You know, it's like we'll go into an event or an organization that we're working with and a majority of their people are work emails, work phone numbers, landlines, things like that. And you're also trying to work with like mobile bidding or some right. sort of software and you you don't have good data just for that specific event. Right. So you don't have the correct email that these people want to be bidding on. Right. Um, and yeah, we, we get into these 
topics with people where they're like, oh, well, we just want people to be able to bid. And then they're not that's thinking it. that they've, they've ruined their data or right. they've made it worse or they haven't captured an opportunity to get updated info. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. And, yeah, and so, we talk to them about, you know, that's what the purpose of check-in is. It's the purpose of check-in isn't just to give you a table number and to also go and give you a paddle number. The purpose of check-in is, is the person that cares about my event, right? That's standing in front of me. You know, they care about your organization. If they're coming to your event, they're standing in front of me. Do I have the correct data for that person? That's the point of check-in. And then, yeah, you get your paddle number, which matches your information. You get your little drink tickets or whatever else. But I mean, honestly... Do you have the data that your donor wants you to have to communicate with them about your event? Right. You know, and so that that to me is invaluable. And that's one of the main purposes of check-in. Right. And we talk to people about this all the time for when we're consulting or coaching with them. You know, look at it as more than just, I need to get them through. Right. Right. I need to be thorough, not just get them through. That's good. That makes sense. I like that. And I will... <laughs> <laughs> That's why she's the hand talent. I love it. But yeah. I wanted to add on because I do think that like a lot of times, especially with events, people are capturing just email addresses sometimes. And so we have a lot of clients that are like, we hosted an event and we've got, you know, 5,000 email addresses and nothing else because that's all they captured um, in, at the event. And so I just wanted to throw it out because a lot of clients don't know what to do. They obviously want to follow up, but they don't have the data now. And so something that Chris and I will help clients with is they come to us with that list of email addresses and we can do a reverse email append. So then we are providing them with a name and a mailing address for those individuals. And so then that way, if they do want to send out a direct mail piece or um, or maybe if they then want to look for cell phone numbers or anything like that, we can kind of then help them um, get more information and append that to just the email address that they had. And the same thing with phone numbers. A lot of times they might just collect a phone number or an email, you know what I mean? And so we can kind of reverse that and help them get some more information. That way they can begin to, you know, follow up and communicate with them after the event as well. Right. So yeah. thank you notes. And, yeah. and a lot of yeah. times the way to make check-in even better is not to have them have to be interviewed by you. Let them register themselves because then they're going to give the charity the information they want the charity to have. Like, here's how I want to be contacted, right? right? Here's the email address I want you to use or the cell phone number I want you to use because what we see a lot is, you know, you can say like, you know, local company comes in and say it's, you know, First Bank and they buy a table at an event and all of a sudden they just put in names and then someone calls up First Bank and says, who are the employees coming? And then they put in all of their data, including their work phone number and their work email. And these people don't want to be contacted by the charity through their work email. They want to be contacted by the charity through their personal email. So they mm -hmm. show up at the event and no one asks them, is this a work email address, even though it looks like one? You know, is there a better email that we should be using? They just check them in because they're like, oh, are their email's here. I'm just going to check them in. And then all of a sudden, you know, the the bidder or the donor, they're looking at them and they're saying, I don't want to log in with that info, right? So right. they go register separately or they don't. And all of a sudden now, like, you're not communicating with them, you know, through a channel that they want. We, I mean, we see that a ton. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the it, people have to balance out the desire for the seamless, I don't want to waste any of your time check-in with the, 
I need to capture the opportunity to get real good information from you for my database. Like there's a, I don't know, there's a little bit of a tension there yeah. that way, but, but no. it's important because if you look at the backside of this to, you know, to, and this is where I would ask you guys, like, how do you kind of consult or help your, you know, clients understand, like, now that you have this data, like, here's how you use it. Like, here's, here's the types of things that you can do with accurate data, whether it be, you know, running a, a, you know, a direct mail campaign or doing an email campaign or a text to give campaign or whatnot. I mean, do you guys give them any advice in that area? We, we definitely do. But one thing I wanted to mention on the event and whatever they, the nonprofit decides to do as far as how they want to, you know, when these people come in, the check-in process and the collecting the information, whatever they decide, it's extremely important to, to document it and like have like a process and some procedures for how you're running the events and getting the information and just in everything. Because what I see more than anything is that I'll get a call from somebody that just started as a, as a you know development director for a nonprofit and the she has no clue what the data looks like. She doesn't have any records of it ever being cleaned up. You know, there's no real policy. So she's just kind of starting from scratch when she really isn't. There's stuff that did happen, but everything was lost. And, you know, and so she just, so she's kind of creating everything again. Um, so having that is good because there's a lot of turnover. And I mean, people typically go from one nonprofit to the other one, you know, and people move around. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's important, a good good takeaway, whatever is decided, just document. Yeah, I agree with you. And and thinking about like what to do with the data when you're done. So say your event is over. And so we get this question a lot from our clients and they're like, my event is over and we have the ability to automatically synchronize this data directly into your CRM with certain CRMs like you know, a BlackBot or a Salesforce or a Bloomerang or a Kindful. Um, so we can do that. But, you know, outside of that, it's like, okay, so all these people checked in. I have all of this data, whether they're bidders or they're just guests on the, my guest list or whatever. Do I over how, – how do I reconcile that against my donor database? Mm-hmm. And I think every charity has to make that decision separately. Like, is this updated data that I think is important and how do I want to get it updated? And in other times – you know, they may have to say to themselves, like, did this data come directly from the guest? Yeah. You know, and do I append it to what I have? Do I update what I have? Or did I create all this fake data and I need to toss it all out? I mean, either way, like, they need to make that decision on their own because, like, I don't know. I always call it a opportunity lost. Like, it's one thing to, to – to ask the post office, did this person move? It's really hard. I don't know. Maybe you guys have automated ways to do it. I think it's really hard to get somebody's updated cell phone number. But when they're standing in front of me, I have the opportunity to do it. Yeah. Right? One thing. I mean, that's. Uh, to mention on that, what you just said, what what do I do with the data? Just whatever you do, don't delete the data that you're, that was in there. Like if you get an address, don't overwrite the existing address. Always save mm. it as an alternative, you know, as a backup. Save both? Yes. Keep your old addresses and save them because any company like us or any other one that does data projects for you that's looking to clean up or identify wealth or you name it, all those past addresses will help, you, you know. 
to sure. make sure that we have the right, you know, John Day. Yeah, that makes sense. I was going to say, I'll add on because I think it ties together, but um, something that we do for a lot of clients is like a free database analysis. So we can look at segmented files. So if they had a list of individuals from event or whatever, they can have us um, look at that file and basically provide them back with statistics on the accuracy of the data. So it will look at, here's Jennifer Cole, here's the address that we have for her. Is this the most current address? If so, flag it as being confirmed. If not, I let us know if there's something newer or more up to date. And so it kind of, it looks at all that contact data. So the mailing addresses, cell phones, landlines, date of birth, it looks for any deceased records. Um, but it's a free analysis that we run all the time for our clients. And it's a good way for them to, again, look at their entire database and just kind of have a, a good idea of the overall shape of their data. Or they could look at smaller segments, whether it's from an event or they're, you know, going into a campaign and want to look at a, a certain segment of their database. Um, it's a really good way to kind of see the accuracy of that data and know where we could help them come in and clean it up. Well, and it sounds like, you know, for the for the audience listening, all of our nonprofits and possibly for-profit organizations, it sounds like a best practice that what I'm kind of gathering from this is that you need to have some processes written down about data management for your organization. Because to speak to Chris's point, in the, fu- in the nonprofit sector, there's turnover all the time of auction managers, event managers, develop, you know, development directors, all that kind of stuff. And they need to have as an organization a way, a, a process about how are we going to continue to collect data so our data stays good in spite of attrition of employees right. and people working there. So, I mean, I, that's kind of what I'm he- really kind of gathering from this, like well, a good best and practice. And there's turnover. I mean, let's just uh, talk to the elephant in the room. There's turnover on event platforms too, Yeah. right? And, you know, we have clients who like have come to us and in the previous three years, they've been on three different mobile mm-hmm. bidding platforms, right? Maybe we're the fourth and maybe someone else will be the fifth, right? And what they don't realize is, is that they're walking away from all of this data from every single one of those platforms. And it just, it's really a dangerous thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could possibly download it, but most of them don't. And they just view this mobile bidding platform as this just transactional one-time event thing. And they forget that, this is a very critical data collection tool. Yeah. And, and so it also should inform you on how you pick them. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked to one, um, one prospect and I was chatting with her and, and she was telling me that the reason why she's moving platforms is, is the prior platform basically at the end of the event handed her a whole bunch of cell phone numbers and said, these are the people that donated to your event. And she's like, what are their names? She's like, we don't collect names. We don't collect emails. They should refer alumni. She's finder. like, so what am I supposed to do? Like, <laughs> am I supposed to like call them up and say, I don't know your name, but you donated a hundred bucks. Thank you. Like, you oh, know, that's awkward. It's awkward. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so, Ooh. but everybody's like, well, I just, you know, I want it to, I want it to be easy for guests. I, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, but you do want it to be easy for guests, but you also want their email address. Right. Which is why that was one of the things in the very beginning we used to get blasted on, but we, our accounts are based on email because that is still, in a lot of cases, the primary and easiest way to get a hold of somebody and to find their info online, right? So, Well, we say this all the time when we're talking in the podcast that your donors are coming to your event because they want to give. 
Mm-hmm. They're not just coming to your event to watch a band, maybe a few people, watch a band or eat your food, believe it or not. They're coming because they love you as an organization. So expect that they're going to want to donate. And with that donation comes, who are you? <laughs> right. What's your email? Yep. What's your cell phone number? We need your data so that we can track your donation. So expect that they want to come to sure. your event to donate, right? So don't miss that opportunity to gather that good data. Yeah. And they want to be followed up with. You know, if they're making the donation and putting their money, they want to be followed up with. They want to thank you. They want you to engage with them afterwards. And, yeah. You know, yeah not, especially again, if they want an auction item. Right. Yeah. I, exactly. We did an event in Tampa and I was blown away. They were like, these are all celebrities coming in. It wasn't exactly true, but they're all really super important people. And a lot of them are celebrities and they don't want to be bothered giving their information. Okay, so what do you want us to do? Because they're going to donate, right? Yep, you're just going to have to create fake accounts for them, and then we'll deal with it later. So sure enough, they created all these fake accounts for these guests. The guests go in there, and then they come out the door, and they're like, you know, they're leaving, or they're looking for their info. You know, they're like, hey, just shoot me a shoot me a text or shoot me an email with my receipt and, you know— my, Mail me my item. Well, how am I going to do that? I don't even know who you are. Right. Right? I don't know your phone number. I don't know your email address. I don't even have a credit card on file for you. And if I did have a credit card on file for you, it's against a fake email. So anyway, it was just a complete disaster. And they're like, well, how are we supposed to get a hold of all these people? I said, good question. Maybe you should have thought of that before you put in all this fake information because you didn't want, you didn't think they wanted to be bothered. But how are you going to follow up? These people showed up to your charity donated. Yeah. You don't think that they want an email receipt or at least a follow-up or a thank you note? And how do you, how do you expect to give them that? You know, and we've, trust me, we've checked in plenty of celebrities, right? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. They're willing to give you an email address. Yeah. I mean, because they want, you know, they want follow-up to your Mm -hmm. point, Jennifer. I mean, it makes total sense. Yeah. Or their assistant's email address. Hey, let's, (laughs) um, I, I want to dive into the alumni finder part um, with you guys for a second. Cause you know, Lori and I were talking about this prior to the podcast. And so do you actually help organizations find alumni? So I'll jump in really yeah. quickly because the name is deceiving on two, two ways. One, Chris already addressed that we don't just help clean up alumni records. We clean right. up donors, members, sure. any type of constituent record. Um, but also we don't, like we don't just go find alumni that a college or university doesn't have. So we couldn't have X, Y, and Z nonprofit or university or college come to us and say, hey, we don't know who our alumni are. Can you find them for us? Like that's not what we do. We need them to give us a list of Got it. people okay. that mm-hmm. have, they probably have very old, maybe they have like a parent's address when they enrolled in the school, like that's fine. We can work with that, but we have to have something to go off of. So we're not okay. actually saying, here's a list of your alumni. Mm. Got it. Okay. I was excited for a second because I'm on an advisory board for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I'll be honestly, just full disclosure, they have no idea who their alumni are, right? Because these are, this, this would be a high school kid who's attending like an organization's events and then they go off to college and maybe they stay with FCA, but there's other like on-campus you know, crusades and all those that, that they might've joined instead. But either way, like once they get into the workforce, it's like, who was an FCA alumni? They have no idea. 
But do they have data from like when they were a part of FCA? Because well, so that would be something Alumni so Finder could help. Right. So here's the tricky situation. This might be something where you guys could come in and help us on the, you know, kind of in the in the spot where these people are still like active members. Mm-hmm. These are kids under the age of 18 in most cases. So we have to be a little bit careful on what we're tracking. Mm. But, you know, this has come up a lot. And, and I think it's for any organization who has a transient like membership, like FCA would, you know, I think it'd be interesting to say what kind of data management processes do you need to put in place so that you can capture that and say, okay, so you're going to graduate and I'm not going to really contact you for about six or eight years because I want you to get through college or whatever else you're doing and then get into the workforce and be in your late twenties. And then I want to reach out. Hmm. How do you, how do you do that? Yeah. Right. That would be tough, especially with high school kids. Yes. Like that. That would be really tough. Maybe you get parents. But social media, like, I mean, there's social media, there's Gmail mm-hmm. or some sort of email. All of them have an email address that's a personal one. But somebody's got to gather the information and have a process or a system in yeah. place as an organization, a best practice. But if they, if they gave you, so let me ask you guys this question. Maybe this is a, a, a twist on the same one. But if an organization that had a transient audience like that said, here's a list of emails and they might be six or eight years old. Would you be able to take that list and try to help them figure out like more up-to-date information about that person? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, cause they have their high school email, like some of these kids or even. Yeah. But that's like, that's going to be tough, right? I mean, yeah. it's going to be some K12.org kind of thing, right. but every single one of them would have a, Mac.com or a gmail.com Gmail. or Yahoo. Well, they all create accounts for their video games. They're anything like my kids. <laughs> they all had to create <laughs> Gmail accounts so that they could get their video gaming stuff up and going. Right. They had to get real ones. To chime in on that, we're this, like, we do not provide any data on individuals under the age of 18. So a lot of our clients, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a period of time where, depending on their organization, you know, obviously, there could be a period of time where they're um, still contacting their parents. You know, it's yeah. like still asking parents for support of the school or the organization. And then in time, as those individuals get older and they're more established in the world, you know, they have mm-hmm. a car, a credit card, um, they own a home or have bills in their name or whatever, when they begin to really kind of establish themselves and they're obviously over the age of 18 that's where we could take the child's name, the parent's address, because that's probably all that they had from when they enrolled in that school or program. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we can find where they are. You know, what is their home address? What is their cell phone number? What is their email address or whatnot? But yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a period of time where, you know, we can't provide data on that type of individual. They're really not out there to be found um, because they're still under their parents' roof and all of that. Right. And I don't think it's useful at that point, right? I mean, if I graduate from high school and I'm 18 and I was in FCA um, and now I'm 20, 20 or 21 years old, I'm still likely in college or at least beginning my you know, career. I'm, I'm probably not prepared at that point to donate. But to your point, right. like maybe, maybe when I'm 26 or 28, so I'm 10 years past that point, 
I hand you this list of emails and you figure out where they're at and then you start applying like, well, now they own a home or they're renting or they, this is what their net worth is and blah, blah, blah. That could be really valuable information. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, even when we did our podcast on millennials, yeah. you know, I mean, and Gen Z and all these generations that are coming up, I mean, the the psychological evaluation of these kids uh, is they want to donate. They want to give, even though they're young and they don't have maybe the amount of funds, right. they might start giving, you know, in college. I mean, I was an FCA in college. I was an FCA until I was 21. So, I mean, you know, so I mean, just kind of speaking to that too, like you never know. Right. I mean, we don't want to limit donors, right? And then it creates that donor relationship from a really kind of a good young age, especially with FCA and organizations like FCA have established some sort of like rapport with them and have, you know, they have a story and then their story gets to be, I mean, I just love that, you know? So yeah, I, I think something like that'd be good for you, Jeff and FCA. I know we're going to need an alumni finder. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need you guys. (laughs) I was going to mention that it may not be a bad thing to, instead of waiting, you know, once they finish FCA in turn, you know, have are established, like just, if you have their old, you know, send them an email on their birthday, just some touch point every year, whether it be a birthday, hey, we're just checking in, you know, this is what's going on. Here's our Facebook, you know, not asking for anything in return, just so that, you know, now they're 27, 28 years old and they get a, you know, a nice mailing and you can tell that, you know, mm-hmm. there's going to be an ask, like it's a call to action to give. So you're kind of doing the cultivating well, universities can be good at that. Like the university I graduated from. Yeah, they send me, since I graduated, I've had a birthday card every year. They've managed to find me. They're probably using you. They've managed <laughs> to find me and send me a birthday card. And they always send a Christmas card every year. They're not asking for money. I don't get a birthday card. You know, I got you know the what? whole, you know what I got? I went to Virginia, right? So I got the lifetime membership, pay us 500 bucks or something like that. And I paid them 500 bucks when I was in my late twenties. And I don't know, maybe they just, I don't, the university of Virginia football alumni, that one is all over me. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they text and that one's fun, right? Because they have events and tailgates and all that other kind yeah. of stuff. And it's, a, it's a little bit more engaged, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I it's. I love I that idea. I don't get a birthday for, card from the University of Virginia. I'm offended now. I, do. I don't know. My university is better than <laughs> university, and my university is in Virginia as well. I know. And <laughs> I've, I've heard it all this year. I mean, <laughs> Liberty University was the best football team in the state of Virginia, and James Madison would probably disagree. <laughs> kind this of year, a big but. deal nationwide now, <laughs> even though they got beat by Oregon. But we won't talk about that right now. Yeah. Um, no, I love that idea. And, you know, I love that idea for organizations, too. You know, we're, we're talking about events and specific thing for events. But I just I like that touch point. You're right, Chris, that touch point where it's just like, I'm not asking you for money. We're just wishing you a happy birthday or we're just saying, Will you, you know, find their birthday for him. Yeah. <laughs> if I gave you email. Yeah, we could try. I mean, we could definitely try. Is there any concerns around like data privacy or anything like that that you guys have to worry about? Or do you guys have any tips for organizations for data privacy? Or is it pretty much free for all with data since it's all online now? It has drastically changed over the last several years in terms of data privacy and security and all of that. And I can say that our organization um, has gone through all the things to make sure that we're compliant with um, 
protecting not only our clients' data, but the data that they have access to when they work with us. Um, mm-hmm. So like SOC 2 compliant, um, there's all these things that it, we've had to go through from a legal and IT perspective um, just to make sure that we meet requirements of our clients. Um, and so, you know, it's um, it was a lot of work, but that it, it's today you have to have those things. I mean, especially when you're working with larger universities, um, it has just, again, it has changed drastically over the last couple of years. And so we can confidently say that we can, you know, meet those requirements. Um, but yeah, it's it's not just like emailing your data to somebody. I mean, you're, you know, everything that we do is to make sure that it's protecting the client's information. We don't use their data for anything other than to like help them clean it up. Um, so that sounds basic, but I mean, clients always ask, are you storing this data? Are you right. selling this data? Is it going anywhere else? And like, Absolutely not. So we... That's a good point. Yeah. And I mean, we can only have a a file uh, for 30 days and then it is like permanently purged from our servers. Can't get access to it again. So there's a lot of things that we've had to put in place to make sure that, yeah, we can adhere to all those requirements. No, and I think that's important. We're in the same boat, right? And, you know, for us, you know... Part of it is, is, you know, some of the data that we store, actually a lot of the data we store is not super sensitive data. I mean, it's their address or their email address or their phone number, and a lot of that's available online. But either way, it's still a massive nuisance to anybody if their data is is, is compromised. Um, so we have to do the same things. And I think a lot of charities don't understand. Universities do. Oh, yeah. But the a lot of charities don't understand the importance of working with partners who understand the compliance elements around data um, and protect data and understand what a SOC 2 compliance is and understand what, you know, the the California privacy laws are. And now, you know, every state is going to have their own, right? And then you go up to Canada and they have their own. You go to Europe and the EU has their own. And, and understanding, you know, whether or not those apply and, and then making sure that, you know, not only do you understand what's required, but you actually go implement it, you know? And it's funny now for us, I mean, even with Apple and Google, I mean, they have really cracked down. I mean, every time we push an app to the app store, we have to go through this entire, what data are you collecting through your app and what are you doing with it? And do you give, you know, the end user the ability to edit it or delete it? And we do, right? And, you know, I think a lot of charities out there, if you're thinking about, you know, who am I working with or what tools am I using? Um, you need to ask those people, are you are you up to speed on all of these data privacy laws and privacy policies and, and how are you implementing them? Right. I, are you a trustworthy so, partner? Kudos yeah. to you guys for, mm-hmm. for being on top of that. I think that's important. Yeah. Well, same back at you. Yeah. <laughs> this has been, uh, you know, data is so funny. It, it, it's... I don't know. It, some people will probably like look at the title of this podcast and say, "Yeah, data." I don't. This is so important. You know, it is like it is the blood running through the body, right? I mean, it is so critical that it's accurate and so critical that it's available. Yeah, everything starts with it. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. know, love the fact that you guys are helping charities do this. Um, you know, and and again, I mean, also it's just a it's an opportunity for us to also reinforce how important it is at events to collect good and accurate data. 
and it cannot be said enough. I mean, like as a charity, you know, if your event planner is telling you that check-in speed is more important than data collection, find a new event planner. I'm sorry, because you can, you can quickly, (laughs) you can quickly collect data. I mean, there's just ways to make that faster, but it is super important. And painless. It doesn't have to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. I agree. Mm-hmm. And you got to think too, even when, like for us to do our work, if if they're getting crappy or very limited data in, it's going to limit what a company like ours can do. You know, if you yeah. give us crappy incomplete records, we're not going to have a super successful overall result for you. Um, so we really want to make sure that, you know, that yes, they're collecting as much information as they can. And then in time, that data is going to change. I mean, I think I think the statistic is like 30 million people, Americans are moving every year. And so as you, data changes every day. And so it, it's important that they collect that information and then utilize a company similar to ours to really help you kind of maintain that database. And yep. people are going to move or maybe you didn't get a phone number for somebody or whatever. We can kind of help fill in those gaps. But yeah, it all starts with the data, collecting it and then maintaining it Um is just going to make your overall fundraising goals more successful for you. Well, that's awesome. That is awesome. So, so how do people, um, cause I'm going to strongly encourage some of our listeners here to get in touch with you guys to help clean up the data. So how do they do that? How do they get started with alumni finder? Alumnifinder.com is our website and, um, we can leave our information with you guys and then have them reach out to us. That's the okay. sign up for that free analysis. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, it's we free. would love to run the free analysis for anyone who's listening. Um, you could reach out to Chris or myself. And there's, it's literally, there's no strings attached. It's a free analysis where you can look at your database and see statistics, exact statistics on the accuracy of it and what a company like us could potentially do for you in terms of cleaning right. it up. So you don't have to purchase anything, run the analysis, look at the stats. I think it's a really good resource for everybody. Um, so definitely take advantage of it if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, what you're saying is there's not going to be a bunch of magazines showing up the next month if they do the free analysis with you. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right. No. That's awesome. I love it. Well, we appreciate you guys. Thank you for joining us for the podcast. Yeah, I think it was a great I conversation. I like I get like as visionary as I am in certain parts of the business, I just get nerdy about data because I think it's so important. So this has been a great conversation for me and hopefully for our listeners to yeah. understand the importance of what, what you guys do. Get that free analysis, guys. Um, and then make sure you also understand and just remember, as we've said on probably at least half a dozen podcasts now, <laughs> The um, check-in process is a critical data collection, data cleanup point of your event. So keep that in mind. Yep. Agreed. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, guys. We enjoyed it. Thank Thank you, guys. And, um, you know, this we're going to wrap up this podcast. So um, for all of you that are listening, um, again, if you have any other questions, uh, feel free to reach out to us. If you need to get in touch with Alumni Finder and you're not – being successful doing that, we will help you get connected to them as well. So until then, happy fundraising. Thanks for tuning in to this enlightening episode of Elevate Your Event. We hope you've gained valuable insights into the pivotal role of good donor data in fundraising. Thank you to Chris Boyette and Jennifer Cole from Alumni Finder. Reach out to them at alumnifinder.com. If you enjoyed our show, please take a moment to leave us a review. You can find us on Apple, Google, and Spotify. 
Don't forget to subscribe for more great content. And if you're a fan of video, check us out on YouTube. Until next time, happy fundraising. Happy fundraising.